right, welcome back to Top 25 Voter Pod. Uh, with me, as always, is uh, Chad Conine and John Werner. Gentlemen, how are we doing this fine uh, Tuesday? Well, I'm doing fine. Probably not as fine as Chad since you just bought a new car. He's a high roller. The whole world, Johnny. He's a high roller. <laughs> I'm a little bit sped up, you know. <laughs> Uh, so, guys, let's talk some basketball. The uh, Big 12 women's race looks like it could come down to Baylor-Iowa State Monday night. Um, you expect the Bears to win it again? Well, you know, um, I don't know if you guys will back me up on this or not. Can y'all – am I there? Am I, am I all right? I have something coming on my phone. You're good. Okay. Uh I don't know if you guys will back me up on this or not, but I've been saying all year since January 2, whenever Baylor lost to Kansas State at Kansas State, that we were going to get to the last week of the regular season, which I believe were the last two weeks of the regular season. And there's going to be, be about three teams that had a shot for the Big 12 championship. Now, I might have been off on that number by a little bit. I thought Texas would be closer to the top of the standings. Now, Oklahoma, I suppose, is still right there, although they're two games back of Baylor and Iowa State now. But um, nonetheless, Baylor is right there, tied with Iowa State. They're going to go two aims on Monday, probably with the chance to win their 12th straight conference championship. Now, a couple of things about that. They got to win two games this week against Oklahoma State and Kansas. Wait. Yeah, Kansas. And uh, then, if but if they win those two games, they can't be any worse than tied for first with Iowa State, right? Then after the Iowa State game on Monday, they have Texas Tech the following Sunday, so they'll have to win that game. But I believe if they hold and win these two games and beat Iowa State, that will clinch them at least a share of the Big 12 Conference. Okay. You know, I, I like their chances. I, I watched the first game on TV, and uh, they're just so much more athletic than, than Iowa State. You know, uh, I, I just think they'll beat them on athleticism, and they're playing really well too. Well, that's the thing is uh, they seem, as Chad wrote in a recent column, uh, you know, to be climbing at the right time. I mean, they, their trajectory has just kind of been, you know, like this throughout Big 12 play. Um, obviously started out kind of rough. Uh, they did have, you know, a pretty good excuse for that with some, some COVID issues and stuff. But, um, but I also feel like, um, in this current landscape of big 12 women's basketball, I don't think you're going to see teams flying through with just one loss or, or, uh, you know, no losses undefeated. Um, even, even, most of Mulkey's best teams didn't go through undefeated. Um, so, you know, you're, you're going to suffer a couple, uh, you know, bumps along the way, but, you know, to their credit, uh, they figured it out. You know, the thing about this and figuring it out and the way they've been playing lately is they've had a lot of teams that would punch with them and use a boxing analogy. You know, they kind of uh, spar with them for a while, but, because of Baylor's talent level and because I think that they're in, like uh, getting the system better as the season goes along, when it gets into the late rounds, Baylor just punches harder. Does that make sense? No, it does. Uh, you know, just 
kind of uh, uh, expanding on that finishing analogy. And certainly um, you want to be building toward the end of the season. I mean, you want to be playing your best ball then. And, and they certainly have trended that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the other championship race in the Big 12, the men's race. Uh, so, you know, uh, does Baylor or Texas Tech have a legit shot of overtaking Kansas and winning that Big 12 championship? I'm going to say it's going to be very difficult for the Bears to repeat as Big 12 champs. Uh, you just look at the schedule the rest of the way. Uh by far, Kansas' tough game is at Baylor. But even if Baylor wins that game, they're, they're going to have to count on Kansas losing games they shouldn't lose. Uh, they got K-State uh, tonight. They've got TCU twice next week. Uh, one's a COVID makeup game. And then uh, their final game is at home against Texas, who beat them the first time around. And they're uh, they're going to be out for revenge. Uh, I just think it's going to be really hard. Uh, and Baylor, especially, they they've got to go to Texas still. That that's going to be hard. And uh, see, who does Tech have left? Chad. They they've Oklahoma. got Oklahoma tonight. TCU on Saturday. Oklahoma State on Monday, and they finish with Kansas State at home. So their their schedule is more favorable than Baylor's. But to me, neither is more favorable than Kansas. And Kansas already has a game lead right now. You know, uh, it's interesting. The team that I cover and the team that I passionately follow, and I, I hate to make a designation between those two, but I think everybody that knows me knows me. I'm, knows I'm a Red Raider, and I cover the Baylor women. Both teams have – both teams' coaches left them sort of abruptly and unceremoniously last season. Mm-hmm. Both teams hired new coaches. Uh, both teams are very much in a position that all the fan base would have taken. You say, you give me 21 wins on, on February 22nd, we'll take it. You know, both teams are challenging for a conference championship. And right now, both teams are trying to walk a tightrope. You know, you're playing teams that you probably should beat, but you need to keep beat them, keep beating them to keep pace. Now, the only difference is, you know, Kansas threw in a three-pointer in overtime against Texas Tech, the city who had double overtime. And then, uh, you know, and so Kansas hasn't tripped up much in conference play. Now, that Big 12 SEC game was horrendous. They got beat by like 100, you know. (laughs) Um, But it's it's interesting, all the little parallels that I see between between those two teams. Now, the big difference is the Texas Tech men play 10 guys and the Baylor women play mostly five and kind of can bump up to seven. Uh, they play seven. I'm, I'm not. I don't want to be unfair to Jaden Owens and Caden Bickle. They're they're important parts. So. Isn't it interesting that the Baylor men and women their depth level is about the same now? I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> well, and to me, that's the biggest hindrance to a Baylor Big Twelve championship. Just the fact that you know they're they're pretty beat up. I mean. Mm. Um, that was a good win again last night for the Bears in Stillwater. I felt like, um, you know, every every time Oklahoma would Oklahoma State would come down and hit a big shot, Baylor would respond, and um, and you or know, Adam Flagler would respond. Well, yeah, <laughs> mostly. I mean, you know, they're like I said, they're down to you know just 
a very depleted lineup. And so to me, that works against Baylor in terms of chasing down Kansas. Right. Uh, can Tech do it? Maybe. But I think your point, John, about Kansas having, you know, a winnable rest of the way and a game lead uh, certainly favors the Jayhawks. But um, I agree with Chad. You know, I think Tech, um, you know, to be in this position that they're in um, is a win. Uh, you know, and it speaks to the, you know, to the uh, job that Adams has done there at, you know, and, um, and, you know, they're just, they're playing really good, good ball. And I think a team to watch out for in the NCAA tournament for sure. You know, uh, and I think, I think I counted up Mark Adams will be the sixth coach since I've been alive to take Texas Tech to the NCAA tournament, which is interesting in and of itself, maybe to me or Red Raider fans or whatever. But the other thing is, when you follow a team, and I've written about this in terms of following the Baylor women, but when you follow a team through the grind of conference, you spend a lot of January and February worrying about, can we get to nine wins? Can we get to nine wins and 20 wins? Kind of the, the, the milestones for making the NCAA tournament. And then you turn around one day and you're like, gosh, I hope we can you know, take care of business here and stay in the hunt for uh, not only a Big 12 championship, but a place in Fort Worth and San Antonio in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Certainly, their uh, their goals have changed, and in in a good way. Uh, and that, uh, I should have sent this in the email about the, the script and everything. But there's a lot of debate right now between Texas Tech and Baylor fans, and I have to admit, my Texas Tech brethren are being rather obnoxious about it. But comparing the two teams' resumes, you know, and of course, Tech is leaning hard on their top twenty five wins and things like that, but. You know, Baylor's going to get Baylor's going to get some credit and they're going to get some preferential treatment for having won the national championship in Indianapolis in, in a bubble situation. I feel like the NCAA is going to give them some love in terms of letting their fans not have to travel as far and be able to see them after, you know, in, in some ways, Baylor got the short end of the stick with the national championship last year. It's true. That's a good point. Uh, not as much as all of those championship contending teams in 2020 though at least they did get to play it out <laughs> right right um uh, we've touched on this conversation throughout uh our podcast run but uh this season but who, who's you guys thoughts on you know who should win the uh, big 12 men's and women's uh player of the year uh for the men i'm gonna go with agbaji uh from kansas He's averaging 20 points, leads a big 12 and three point shooting. I think uh, you, uh, Isaiah Brockington from Iowa State would be in the conversation. Bryson Williams. Uh, really, those are probably about the three who would be considered, I think. But I think Agbaji probably being on the, the big 12 winning team, uh, I'd probably go with him. On the women's side, you know, preseason player of the year, Nalissa Smith, uh, in the last several weeks has, that's been no doubt, you know, I mean, like Saturday watching her, she's able to elevate and take jump shots over the defense. I mean, they just, they can't stop her because if she gets the ball in space, like 15 feet from the basket, there's like three ways she can score there that there aren't very many people in the country that can defend her. And she's taking full advantage of it. You know, she's rebounding. Uh, to me, her leadership um, has been good. And, and so I, I think that, you know, uh, 
she's going to be player of the year, probably run away with it. Now, Ayoka Lee has done some amazing things, but you know, you're sitting there right now in Kansas State, 14 and 12, six and eight. No, wait, I'm looking at the men's standings. Anyway, Kansas State hadn't made quite the run that they maybe would have needed to make to, to, um, for Ayoka Lee, although maybe the voting will be tight there. I mean, I, I would suspect maybe in the conference, um, the voting is going to be tight there. Now, I'll say something maybe a little controversial here. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the conference coaches voting for it, you're not going to have the problem of people voting against Kim. that's a good point that's a good point she always had a lot of uh opinions about the all-conference team um that said it was definitely show business and not show friends for for kim well and i will say i i feel like baylor was uh well represented over the years oh for sure on all those all-conference teams uh uh, one point on the men's i think that um actually Bryce, now there's going to be a whole lot of candidates for this, but I think the more interesting discussion would be newcomer of the year in the Big 12 because of all the impact of the transfer portal. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. I'd have to really research that to figure out. I think, well, I think Bryson Williams, Timmy Allen, um, Brockington's a newcomer, right? Yeah. 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 So that'll be a good, that'll be a good, some really good one. Real, real big, impactful ones. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Um, you know, when Ayoka Lee had her 61 point game, that's what it was, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I would have bet the farm that she was going to be big 12 player of the year. Um, because at the time I want to say that was around the time that, uh, maybe the Baylor women were not playing quite as well. Uh, they were coming out of their tailspin, I believe, but yeah. yeah. But Kansas State was kind of a, a little bit more of a surprise team on the way up. And, you know, uh, and Ali's numbers were off the charts. But I, I do agree with you, Chad, that in recent weeks, Melissa has, uh, you know, she's, she's run away with it. Right. And, and I want to correct their record. They're 18 and 8, 8 and 6 in the Big 12. Yeah, and- they've had a solid year and very much headed towards the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, and, and I think it probably happened a lot where somebody is kind of the player of the moment. And then when it's all, when it all shakes out, you know, I mean, Kansas state the other night, uh, Ayoka Lee had 18 points and 13 boards and Kansas state lost by two, you know, at Kansas. And so, um, that's a great game. 18 points and 13 rebounds is, you know, fantastic. But I think, if they were a, maybe a spot or two higher in the standings, she might Ayoko Lee might have a lot better shot at it. Well, the other thing about her is I think that um, she's very dependent on someone getting her the ball down in the post, whereas mm-hmm. Nalissa um, is is a big, you know, a, a front court player who can face you up can can handle the ball, can do a lot of different things. And so I just feel like hey, she's got a, a more versatile game than, than Lee does. Uh, not that that's what it always comes down to, but. Um, well, Ayoka Lee's whole thing is based on touch around the basket. Mm-hmm. You know, she's yeah. been great. But I mean, when Queen Egbo is displaying that kind of touch around the basket, she's just as good. But, you know, Ayoka Lee doesn't have an Alyssa Smith playing with her in the front court. True enough. 
so guys, to uh, step out of the Big 12 for a minute, uh, I was at Baylor Ballpark on Sunday when I uh, saw the video come up on my Twitter feed of uh, Jawan Howard um, getting a little angry with, <laughs> uh, with the Wisconsin head coach and, uh, you know, throwing hands. <laughs> um, so, you know, we saw what happened there. It got plenty of um, attention. Did the Big Ten get it right uh, with their suspension of uh, Jawan Howard for the final five games of the regular season? You know, I- I'm going to say they should have suspended him for the rest of the year, postseason, everything. I, I mean, it's – I don't even know if they're a bubble team right now. They're, I think they're 14 and 10. But that was pretty bad. I mean, that <laughs> that should not happen at all. And if if his fist was closed instead of open, the hand was open, I think it would have been fired if the fist was closed. To me, that was that he was that close to being fired in my mind. Uh, I don't know. What do y'all think? I, I I'm I was kind of blown away by the five game suspension. Uh, the suspended for the rest of the regular season, and um, but I get it. And then you know people were saying like you know like you said, John, that maybe it should have just been for the rest of the regular season. I mean. I don't know how these guys don't go off all the time and have these little situations happen. I mean, you remember, uh, what was it like, uh, John Calipari and John Chaney in a post-game press yeah. one time, yeah. you know, when, yeah, I remember that when, uh, when Calipari was at UMass and John Chaney comes in there and I'm, and I think I'm getting the, 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 the parties right on that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and gosh, and that was before the social media age, you know, can you imagine all the angles, that they would have had on it, you know, if, if you, if you went back uh, or if that had happened now, I mean, there is so much emotion wrapped up in this stuff um, that I don't know why, how this stuff doesn't happen more often. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Juwan Howard. I, I miss They're only what three years into him being the coach there. I think that's maybe right. two. Yeah. 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 That's about right. They were good last he was hired year. in 19 mediocre this year. Huh? They were good last year. They, they're mediocre this year. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, and I also have to kind of take a step back from the argument because back in the 90s, I was a Duke fan. And mm. Duke went head up against those Fab Five teams. And I was not pulling for the Fab Five teams. Right. Mm-hmm. And Jawan Howard of that bunch was the easiest to not like. You are such a contrarian. Only you would like Leitner in that. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I love everybody hated Duke. Everybody hated Duke. No, but I love. I mean, I didn't love Leitner, but I love Thomas Hill and Grant Hill. They were, they were some of my favorite players to watch. Well, all right, I'm gonna weigh on this. Uh, so it's been well documented that I have a fighting spirit. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I've been known to throw hands in my lifetime. Um, so you, <laughs> so you might think that I would, you know, come down a little easy on Jawan. And, and while I get your emotions running high at times, and, and as Chad says, you know, maybe it's a surprise that this doesn't happen more often. I think he's lucky that he did not lose his job. 
he's a coach. He's a head coach. This is not a player incident. This is a grown man uh, throwing a punch. And to me, it was a punch. Uh, open hand, closed hand. It was a punch. Um, he still could lose his job. He could. I think. I think the penalties come down now, and it's probably it's about what I expected it would be. Um, <laughs> but I think he should consider himself very, very fortunate that he did not lose his job. And if you're in a position like like him, and just basically as an adult. And again, this is not me finger wagging because, you know, uh, I mean, but as an adult, I feel like I have avoided, uh, you know, fisticuffs. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying you got to you got to act like an adult. You got to be the adult in the room. And here's the other thing about it. Talk about an overreaction. Um, I think he his team was pressing late in the game. And the Wisconsin coach calls timeout so he can talk to his guys about how to handle the press. And I want to say Michigan was up enough where they didn't need to press. Um, and Howard got ticked because the other coach called the timeout. Who freaking cares? I mean, it's their prerogative. They can call timeout whenever they want. Uh, I used to get so frustrated at, at Kim Mulkey when she would – get frustrated at the other team for when they took their starters out of the game. Who cares? I mean, they coach their team, you coach yours. And I, I think it was a gross overreaction by Jawan Howard. Now, point of order um, and a question. Uh, Wisconsin was up in that game by a lot. Okay. Well, Wisconsin I'm, was up. They I ended up winning some 14. of the facts there, but I still stand by. No, no, but but then my question to you is, what do you think of the narrative that Juwan Howard didn't understand the rule that if you call timeout in that situation, then you reset the 10 second clock on 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 backcourt violations. Mm. And and so he misunderstood Bo Ryan's intention. I mean, not Bo Ryan, uh, Wisconsin coach's intention for calling timeout there. Well. Again, there's going to be confusion sometimes in games. There's going to be misunderstandings, but that doesn't mean you need to go flying off the handle. Um, I did see a great tweet from Stephen Simcox. He used to work here at, uh, you know, 1616 um, here in town. He had a tweet that said, um, well, you know, those Fab Five guys have always had a little bit of problems with timeouts. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I thought that was well played. And I That's a zinger. Stephen Simcox credit for that tweet. Um, yeah, you know, I I, I just think that uh, Jawan Howard should should thank his lucky stars that he's still the head coach at Michigan. As Chad said, I guess that could still change, but I feel like the punishments come down now. That's probably what it's going to be. Yeah. So. Anyway, yep. good stuff. Uh, good lively, uh, lively talk. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we uh, we will try not to break out in, into any fisticuffs here on the podcast. But you know, Bryce, you and I have never had got into a fist fight, so that's that's a win, I guess. Yeah. We, we have beaten the odds. We haven't. <laughs> uh, nor have John and I. I feel like John's kind of more of a pacifist, you know. He comes from the 60s. 
the piece. You're just there. an old hippie. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> we've all had John, our... your your fingers are out of camera though. We can't tell if you're making the peace sign or flipping this off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's peace, bro. Good stuff. <laughs> Thanks, guys.